Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Glad you came out on this little bit of a cool day, right? Welcome to all of you watching online or listening by podcast. We welcome all of you. And let me just say right up front, happy Thanksgiving, right? Because by the time we get together, it'll be gone by next week, right? So happy Thanksgiving. I've titled today's message, What Do You Say? And it's not in the form of a question, but rather it's more of a phrase. And it's one that we constantly bombard our kids with, right, uh, as they're growing up. We constantly tell them, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Right? And it kind of puts adults in an awkward situation. I mean, it's one thing when you tell your own child to say it to somebody because you can deal with that later if you need to. But it's another when, like, for example, I'm standing there and I've done something or whatever, and the parent tells the child, what do you say to Pastor Nikki? And they sit there like, they ain't saying nothing. You know, I mean, completely silent. Come on now, what do you say to Pastor Nikki? And it's kind of awkward because I'm a pastor, you know. I'm supposed to be nice and kind and all that kind of stuff. So, so what is the appropriate wait time for the appropriate answer to come before you say, you know, I, I really need to get on with other stuff that I need to be doing. And, you know, how long do you stand there? That's kind of awkward. And, and I don't know what it is, but, you know, we're still bombarding our kids with that all the way up until they're like 36 years old, right? Uh, we're constantly saying, what do you say? What do you say? So when you do something nice for someone, what is the appropriate answer? What do you say? Thank you. That's right. No wonder we're bombarding you. You still don't know. That's why we have to go up until you're 36 years old. You don't know what you're supposed to say. All right? The appropriate answer is Thank you. And the reason we bombard our kids with that for so long and why we have trouble with it is because the truth be told, we aren't always thankful for the things that we have been given. And so that's kind of our line of thinking today as we enter this Thanksgiving week is to understand there's a difference in being given something and being thankful for what you've been given, right? Heard the story of a farmer. He had never gone to church in his life. And so one day, he's on up in his years. He decided, you know what? I'm getting up in my age here. I probably need to go to church. And so he went to church this one particular Sunday, and it was the perfect day to go because the pastor was actually preaching about something he was familiar with. He was preaching about animals, right? He was preaching from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, that says, Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. And so this farmer, after church, he went back home, and he was standing out in the field among his cattle. And he was kind of pondering on what the pastor had been preaching about that day when one of the cows came up and began to lick him on his hand as a sign of affection and gratitude for what the farmer had done. And all, even though this farmer was such a strong man, he began to cry. And because he, he realized that he was not thankful for all the things that God had blessed him with, yet there was this cow that was so thankful, and all he had ever done for her was to give her water and some grass. And so that's the intention 
kind of behind today's message is that as we enter this Thanksgiving week, that we pause to be thankful for the things that most often we take for granted. For example, I've been breathing air all day, and so have you. And I haven't stopped one minute to think about that, much less to give God thanks for it. And you probably haven't either, right? But in Acts 17, verse 5, it says about God, it says, He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. And so every second of every day, God has given us that and everything else that we have. And yet, we take so much of what God has blessed us with for granted. And so I want us to look at a story in Luke chapter 17, and I hope you'll turn in your Bibles to that or on your device that you have your Bible app on, find Luke chapter 17, because it's going to give us both sides of the coin today. It's going to show us those who have taken their blessings for granted, and then it's going to show us those who are very thankful for the blessings that they have received. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. It's a story that will be familiar to some of you. It's the story of the ten lepers. Verse 11, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with lepers, he stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever seen leprosy. I personally have never seen leprosy, but we, whether, whether we've seen it or not, we all know that it's a very contagious skin disease, right, that is incurable. Even today, there is no cure for this disease. And so if you were to contract this skin disease, you basically had to become an outcast. You had to leave your husband and wife. You had to leave your children. Or if you were a child, you had to leave your mother and father. Everybody had to leave their brother and sisters. They had to leave all of their friends. And they had to go live in a colony of other lepers. Kind of like a group home or something that we would think of today. They had to live together just so they could help take care of each other. And just to survive, it was a terrible and lonely, lonely disease to have and to try to live with. And back in the days of Jesus, when this condition of leprosy occurred, anyone who claimed to be healed of leprosy or any other kind of contagious disease, they had to go and have their condition validated. They had to have someone say, you have indeed been cured of your contagious disease before they could go back and join their family or join the regular community that they had left to go uh, to, to be in this colony with, right? And Guess who was the person who had to validate their condition that they had been cured? It was the priest, okay? And so I want us to notice something in this particular healing story that's a little bit different from the ones that we've read before, at least it is to me. I noticed in this story that Jesus didn't lay hands on any of these lepers. Well, that kind of makes sense because it was a contagious skin disease, right? Don't touch, right? That one made sense. But you know what? 
He didn't even pray over them. I mean, he didn't pray before it started. He didn't pray in the middle of it. And he didn't pray at the end of it. And I'm going, well, he's not a Baptist, right? We pray at the beginning, middle, and end of everything. But he didn't do that. And he didn't ask them to do anything special either except to go show themselves to the priest. In other words, guys, you're already healed. You just don't know it yet. And I just think it's one of the most amazing healings in the Bible because of the way it kind of played itself out. Because you know how I am when I'm reading stories in the Bible. My mind kind of starts picturing it. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm reading this story. I'm picturing this thing in my mind. And I'm watching these ten guys. They all go running toward the priest's house, right? Because that's what Jesus told them to do. Go show yourself to the priest. So they're running down the road, all of them together. And they're running. And one of them kind of looks to the side and he sees his friend's hand. And the leprosy starts, leprosy starts going away. And he looks over to the other side and this arm over here, the leprosy's on, it starts going away. And he's looking around while he's running down to the priest's house and all this leprosy on his friends is going away. And all of a sudden he looks down at himself and his leprosy is also leaving too. Right? Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. It was an amazing moment. And to know that your life is fixed to be changed for the better, you would have been excited too, right? You would have been all fired up. And all they needed was some validation in order for their life to be changed forever and for them to be able to go back home. And so here's where we see both sides of the coin when it comes to being thankful. You see, these guys' parents, they weren't around to remind them to say thank you to nice Jesus who just healed them of an incurable disease, right? And they were so excited that they were going to get their former life back or, or what seemed to be a better life than what they had for sure that they just completely forgot to give thanks for their healing. But this one guy, he realized that the giver was greater than the gift and he came running back to say thank you to Jesus, right? And I got to thinking now, why does Luke write this story for us? And why does God have it in the Bible? Because the Bible says that so many more things happen that there's not a book big enough to put it all in. And so God had to be kind of picky and choosy about what he put in his word, right? So what's it in there for? Is it to teach us that if we don't give thanks for God's blessings that he'll take them away from us? Because some believe that, right? Well, that's not the case here, because as I read it, all ten of them were healed, right? Just because the nine didn't come back to thank God for it, God didn't take their healing away, all ten of them were still healed. Well, I'm glad of that, because you know what? I'm pretty sure you're like me. We don't always give thanks for everything God's blessed us with, right? So I'm thankful He doesn't take the blessings away when we are ungrateful or we forget to give thanks. But I think the greater implication here is this today. To not just be happy about getting something. Not to just be happy about receiving a blessing, but to be thankful to the one who gave it to you. Right? The one who gave you that something. The one who gave you that blessing. The Apostle Paul, I think, had learned this somewhere along the way because wouldn't you agree with me today that it's a lot easier to be thankful if everything's going good in your life? You can nod your head. You can say yes. 
Good. All right. You're with me. All right. Some of you just woke up. Glad you joined us. All right. Yes, it's a lot easier to be thankful when things are going good. But Paul is about to express to us being thankful when things are not going so good because he writes this to us while being in a prison cell in Ephesians 5, verse 19. He says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. That's the happy part. Thank you, praise team, for doing such a great job leading worship day. A couple of them aren't feeling good, but they got out of bed and got here, and they're still doing the Lord's work. So thank you for singing with us so that we can together be happy in the Lord. And then verse 20, it says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Happy Thanksgiving, right? And so I want to tell you, at least three areas to thank God in everything this week, just as Paul encourages us to do. Number one, in what God has already done. Number two, in what God is doing. And then number three, in what God is going to do. Now, if you didn't get all of that, we're going to come back to it because as a preacher, I've got to expound upon each one of those just a little bit. Not going to get off that easy, right? So what do you say? You say thank you for what God has already done. In Psalm chapter 92, verse 1, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. There it is again. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. You say, I, don't, I know I'm supposed to pray, but I don't know what to pray. Well, right there it is. In the morning, you can just thank God for His unfailing love. God, thank you for loving me today, even though I'm going to mess up most of it. All right? And then at night, it says to thank God for his faithfulness. God, thank you for being with me all day, even though I messed up most of it. Right? Those are two things right there. And then verse 4, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. Not just happy, but you thrill me. Right? You've done so much for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. So if you haven't done it in a while, and I know Thanksgiving week is pretty hectic and kind of crazy, but I hope that in the midst of the hustle and bustle, you can sit down one day this week and maybe just for a few minutes, jot down some things that you are thankful for that God has done for you, maybe in the last few days, maybe in the last few weeks, maybe in the last few months. And it might be material blessings that you're thankful for, it might be people that God has brought into your life. It might be some friends that even live in another state. I don't know what it might be, but just take a moment to think of some things that God has already done for you and just be thankful for them. First Chronicles 29, verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you alone. We thank you and praise your glorious name. Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first Gave us. See, folks, this is the season where we move away from being consumed by what we don't have to being thankful for what we do have. Amen? It really is. And so when you write out that list this year and you say your Thanksgiving prayer, maybe it'll be for more than just food. It can be for a lot of other things. So what do you say? You say, thank you for number two, what God is doing. Philippians 4, 6, you're very familiar with the verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Just this past week, we finally decided we were going to sell one of our cars uh, that we didn't need anymore because the kids don't need car seats and all that other kind of stuff. So anyway, I, I don't know about y'all, but stuff like that is stressful. 
okay? He's stressing out. How much do I ask for it? How much do I really need to get for it? What are we doing? Where am I going to try to sell? I'm stressing about it, okay? And I'm about an hour into stressing about it when I said, you know what? I'm preaching Sunday about not worrying about stuff and praying about everything. I might all try it. So I just standing right there at the counter trying to figure out what was going to I said, Lord, you gave us this car. Lord, you're going to give it to somebody else. I don't know why I'm worrying about it. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. So I told my wife, I said, I've decided we're going to sell a car. We're going to do it. I said, can you put it on Marketplace? She said, I will. We got a call an hour later next day, cash in hand. Guy looked at it five minutes. He wasn't worried about it either, right? And so I could have worried about it for three or four more days, but I just chose to pray about it, and God took care of it. It's a simple story, I know, but it's true. Now look, not only do we thank God for what he's done in the past, but God wants us to proactively thank him for what he's doing for us right now, today, right? And if we have a need right now today to understand that we can go to God with confidence and ask him to provide it knowing that he is going to take care of it and we thank him in advance for doing that. Now, I didn't say everything you wanted. I said everything you need, right? He will do all of that. Lord, you know I need an extra $1,000 this month to make it financially. I don't know what happened, but I need 1000 bucks, or we're not going to make it this month. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. But I'm going to go ahead and just thank you up front for doing it and taking care of it. And I'm not talking about a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel here by any means. I'm just talking about just believing God and being faithful and thankful and just understanding that God is pretty big. All right? True story. A friend of mine that lives in another state knew of a family that needed some money, and they needed it pretty desperately. And so God had put on his heart to give this family some money. And so he had been praying about that when he felt that burden, and and God confirmed that that's what he needed to do. And I want you to keep in mind, while my friend is praying about all this and God's telling him to, to do it, this other family is praying that God will provide for their need. Now, they're not talking to each other at all. Not, they're, they're, no contact. But this family needs it. They're praying for it. My friend gets a burden that he needs to give it. So he goes and he tells his wife, he says, Honey, God's put on my heart to give this family some money. She said, Well, that's great. He says, Well... God's put on my heart that we need to give them $1,000. She said, that's not so great. Because if we give them $1,000, somebody's going to need to give us some money because we're not going to be able to make it through the month. We don't have $1,000 to give. He said, well, let me pray about it some more. And you pray about it with me. They prayed about it together. Still, answer came back, give them $1,000. So he said, we need to give them $1,000. And so he wrote out the check put it in the mail, and off it goes, right? Still not talking, not a word. A third party comes into play. No talking amongst any of them. This third party calls up my friend the next day. I mean, you know how the mail is. It's still in processing, right? The next day, this third party calls up my friend and says, hey, Can you meet for lunch today? It's pretty important. I need to talk to you about something, and I need to give you something. He says, sure. And he hung up the phone. He said, immediately, I knew why he wanted to meet, and I knew what he wanted to give me. 
And sure enough, at lunch that day, that guy says, I don't know why, but God put it on my heart to give you $1,000. Here it is. Wow. Isn't God great? He could not wait to get on the phone and tell me. He says, you're not going to believe what happened. And then he tells me a story. I said, yeah, I believe it. I've been preaching about it. It's good stuff, man. He says, it sure is. He said, I can't tell you. I am on such a high right now with Jesus, I can't explain it. He says, the best thing that's happened to me in months. All because he was obedient to give what he didn't have and just trusting God would provide. So, Lord, you know I need whatever it is, and I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it, but I'm going to go ahead and thank you right now in advance for providing it because you're a big, great God, and I'm just going to be thankful for it ahead of time. See, that's why we pray about it instead of worrying about it because it takes the worry out of it. Worry is one of Satan's greatest attacks to what we need to be thankful, folks. Because you know what? It's hard to give God praise when you're worried. And it's hard to remember what he's already done for you in the past when you're worrying all the time. Worry sucks the life out of us and it leaves no room for a reason to give God things. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, you know this, when enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. It's a lot easier said than done, right? But you know what? It's almost impossible to be thankful when we're sitting around worried. Because when we're worried, we're focusing on the problem, not the answer. We're focusing on the failure, not the promise of victory. We're focusing on the giants out there instead of the slingshots God's already got for us over here. We're focusing on all the losses instead of all the gains that are coming. So Paul and David both remind us, what do you say? You say, thank you for what you're doing right now. And we acknowledge your work in my life right now and by giving you thanks right now for the things that you're providing for me in my life. Right now. Well, last but not least, there's a third thing. What do you say? You say, thank you for? You say, thank you for what God is going to do. Psalm 50, verse 14. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. You say, I don't have $1,000. Or I don't have this, or I don't have that. We can all be thankful. So make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows that you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble... And I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. You see, probably the thing that we take most for granted is the saving work of Jesus on the cross for each and every one of us. Amen? The saving work of Jesus on the cross that has our sins covered. We're no longer slaves to our sin, and we're no longer slaves to the fear and the worry of death because to leave this life is to enter heaven. That's a lot to be thankful for, folks. And so our sacrifice to God is simply, if you look back to verse 14, it's thankfulness. That's our sacrifice. And so maybe that's the reason why we have such a hard time keeping our vows. It's because we've forgotten to thank God up on the front end, right? Notice the pro progression here of what happens with this. The thanksgiving comes before God does anything else in your life than he's already done. Then, 
When you do call upon the Lord in your time of need, in your time of trouble, His promise is He will be there. Not only will He be there, but He will rescue you from your trouble. So there's no need for worries. Again, let worry go. And your heart and your attitude of gratitude is the place where not only you get the blessing from God, but the Bible says you get to give God the glory from it. Just like my friend who couldn't wait to call me up on the phone and say, man, I gave a family $1,000 and then this family gave me $1,000. And I said, hey, guess what, man? I need $1,000. He said, I got to go. No, see, he was giving God the glory. And so now I get to tell that story and it gives God the glory for what he is able to do and will do. So what do you say? We say thank you, number one, for what God has already done. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just get with you and the Lord right now. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want us to pause for just a second. I want you to, right there where you're sitting, maybe you're watching online, just right there where you are, just take a moment to pause. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. I want us just to pause for a moment, and each and every one of us, just to thank God silently right now for what He's already done in your life. Maybe the past few days, the months, or weeks, or whatever it might be. Just thank God for what He's already done. Then number two, would you pause for just a moment and silently thank God for what He's doing right now in your life, presently and currently all the things that you can think of. And then number three, would you just pause for a moment and thank God for all that He's going to do for you in the days and the week ahead? Maybe the next month or so, the next year. And all God's people together said, Now the reason I did that little exercise is because some of us, we're not going to mean to, right? But we're going to be one of those nine. We're going to be one of those nine lepers that got so excited about what's coming up that we're going to forget to be thankful. And we're going to take a lot of things for granted. So that's why the focus of this message today is just to hit the pause button for just a moment to be reminded of that. And to not be the nine, but to be the one that paused and took time to come back before he went and had his whole life restored again to say thank you to the one who restored his life to begin with. You see, we're all going to be in various places and settings this coming week and this coming weekend that maybe we're not in, you know, the rest of the year. We're going to be with family or we're going to be with friends or we're going to be doing things for the holiday or whatever. And so it may very well be that God's going to open up a door for you to be in a situation where because of today's message and because you hit the pause button to be a little bit more thankful, that you're able to be that reminder for that person or that family this coming week 
that needs to be reminded to be thankful to all God's blessings as well. So maybe God would use, use you this week to be his vessel. And maybe God would use you to make their thanksgiving just a little bit more thankful. And if so, I think that's a good thing. And I think God will honor it and bless it. I pray that you have a wonderful holiday. I pray that if you're traveling, that you have uh, safe travels, that you're back here to worship with us together soon. Next week, we're going to have a combined service. It'll be here in the gym. And our focus is going to be a special one. It's going to be on deacon ordination, but it's going to be a great service. And I hope that if you're in town and you're not traveling, that you will be here for that service. Now, at the end of service today, uh, I'm going to be over here to my right and to your left. If you have a spiritual need that you need to talk about, you need to pray about something, I'll be available for you to talk with. Uh, but we also need to do a little bit of preparation for tonight, okay? We need to make sure that we uh, have some help getting all of our chairs. We just need to take them apart. We don't need to put them up today. We just need to take them apart, and then I need some of you to grab the round tables. We need to roll in round tables and put the chairs around them for our agape feast tonight and our youth dessert auction. Last year was incredible. There were some awesome desserts. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so you know what? It made me thankful today for my church family, just to be able to be together. And I'm so glad we don't have to wait to do it once a year, that we get to do it week in and week out together to be with each other. But tonight will be a special time, and so I look forward to seeing you back then. Let's all stand together as our band comes out, and they're going to lead us in a closing uh, song. And uh, as we sing this song, let's just be mindful of God's blessings and just be a little bit more thankful today than maybe we were when we came in. So everybody, we got air that God's given us to breathe, right? Let's take it in. Ready? And out. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. Amen. Let's sing together. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.